Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. I'm Harmony Harkema, and my co-hosts are Annie Carlson and Heather Gerwing. We are three ordinary homeschooling moms with nine kids ranging in age from early elementary to high school, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier and more fun. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to season three of the Relatable Homeschoolers. We are so glad you have joined me, Annie Carlson, my friends Heather Gerwing and Harmony Harkma as we discuss all things homeschooling. Yes, guys, we're so excited to be back. And as if you may have noticed, we are down one host. Uh, Lindsay Hufford is no longer homeschooling and therefore she decided to step away from the podcast. We will obviously miss all that she had to contribute to this podcast, but we support her in her decision. We're actually hoping she might come back on the show and talk to us a little bit about what it is like to walk out of homeschooling and to make a good exit. So she may be back with us if we can convince her later this season. So we also wanted to just talk a little bit about what the format's going to be like this season. We did a lot of editing the first two seasons and it was very time consuming. And we've obviously been away for a while. It's been incredibly busy for all three of us. So we're going to be a little more casual this time around. You may notice a little more of ums and ahs and pauses, but we're going to kind of treat this like a radio show. We really want to bring you content and conversation on the topic of homeschooling because we're all passionate about it, but we also are really, really busy. So we're going to do the best we can to give you a good show this season and keep it light and natural. And relatable. And relatable. Yes, exactly. So today we just want to begin. We've been away for, I want to say. Almost a year. Almost a year. I want to say it's been eight months since the last time we pushed an episode out. Maybe. Yeah, we we released season two about this time last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably like eight months. Yeah. So it's been a while and a lot has gone on. A lot has changed. We know that a lot has gone on for all of you. We're all obviously still living with the effects of COVID in various ways around the country. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about what has changed for us and what our homeschools are looking like this year. Yeah. So the first thing that we just want to talk about is what what has changed. So let's start with you, Annie. What has changed in your homeschool in the 2021-22 school year? Well, on the farm, things have pretty much stayed the same. I guess that's been the one constant even through the pandemic is that the farm still goes on. Uh, We still plant a garden. We still have all of our animals. We still go through the four seasons here in North Dakota. And so that's some things that haven't changed um, is our commitment there. Um, My kids have all, like yours, gotten older. Um, We've added new subjects. Uh, My oldest has added French uh, to her uh, homeschool lineup for the week. And uh, I have started grad school. I'm working on a Master's of Divinity and I increased some responsibilities in my churches. I'm now three-quarter time uh, pastor position. So just some changes for me, a couple of changes within uh, the curriculum for the homeschool, but a lot has stayed the same for me. Heather, what about you? I know for one thing, you've had a move. Um, you've had some some big trips. You've had some changes in your family. Tell us about it. Yeah, we had a move, not as big as yours. We didn't move <laughs> states, but we moved a couple towns over and we did that in the fall. So we closed on our new house the end of September. 
we carried both houses for a couple months and closed on our old house the beginning of December. So those October and November were quite treacherous, like trying to get unpacked and settled in a new house the same time we were trying to stage and sell and then finally pack up our old house was just not for the faint of heart. I have no desire to move anytime soon. Again, I mean, we, we had been in our old house seven, 16 to 17 years. And so the last time we had moved, that was all prior to four kids and all their things. October and November were a very hard months for us. And honestly, our homeschool, we were just in survival mode, like do what you need to do. And we will worry about the rest later. And we also with the move um, switched homeschool co-ops. We were actually at this co-op years and years and years ago. And then last year we weren't at a co-op because the co-op we were at didn't meet because of COVID. But then we were at that co-op for the five previous years. Last spring, my family took a six-week trip visiting the national parks. And before we left, the one thing that I wanted to get done before we left was like, I wanted to know where we were going to be at co-op this year. And so we went back to this co-op that we had been at previously because they were the only ones last spring that I knew were going to be a sure thing for the fall. So we switched co-ops, which was, um, you know, it's always, it's a good thing, but it's always just a different thing. Like this co-op is it's actually the co-op that Lindsay Hufford was a part of. So I know she has talked about that before. So if you've listened to our podcast before, she's explained it, but it's actually in partnership with the public school system. And so it is a complete drop-off co-op. I do not have to teach, which is something different. I've always taught at our co-ops. It's nice that I can drop the kids off and have a day to myself to get something done. But yeah, so this year I have a 10th grader, a 9th grader, a 6th grader, and a 4th grader. So I would say like the biggest change besides the move and besides a different co-op is just like, even with my fourth grader, I feel like there's less things that my fingers are a part of in our homeschool. I'm still in it and I'm still teaching him some things, but you know, once they get to, I think the fourth and fifth grade and even my sixth grader, they're, they're doing so much independently that it's half a dozen of one and six of another, right? There's, there's joy in that, but then there's also sadness. So I'm excited for all that they're able to do on their own, but I miss like morning time. Like we're not doing morning time right now. And I miss that, but it's because my girls babysit one day a week. And so we're out of the house by 845 for them to go to their babysitting jobs. They have the co-op one day a week. I work one day a week. And one morning a week, I go to Bible study. So I'm not getting home until 830 in the morning. We have no consistent morning routine, which is hard. And like, you know, I miss that morning time that we used to have regularly. So I'd say there are some of the biggest changes in our homeschool life in general. So nothing really COVID related so far, which I think is a positive thing. Yeah. I mean, the kids sports, thankfully, like all our extracurricular activities that were kind of paused or running a bit differently last year are back to normal for the most part, which has been good. So our big change is that I'm now not exactly Heather's neighbor, but about maybe two hours away. So back in Michigan. So my, my family, 
<laughs> my family's originally from Michigan um, and we were able to move back home from Memphis, Tennessee to West Michigan. So we're excited about that. But it, it took about it was a six month process, really, from beginning to end. My husband yeah. found out he was getting he, he put in for a transfer, just a personal transfer, because we wanted to move home. We'd come to that space where we were like, OK, we're done doing you know these things. And he had come to a certain point in his career where he was just ready to make a transfer back here. And we didn't expect it to happen right away. We expected it to actually take maybe a couple of years or longer. And it was like, we made the decision and boom, within a couple of months, a position opened up here and he applied and got it. Uh, there were four people in line in front of him. So we were really shocked that he ended up having that opportunity. And then we had to sell our house there, you know, find a house here. And with the housing market, the way it was, we feel like the house that we got was just a gift from God. Like, it's the perfect house for us. It was exactly what we were looking for. It was the right price. We couldn't, we just couldn't believe it. But we ended up having to delay because it needs a new septic system. So we had to work all of that out. And so we stayed with my in-laws for about 10, 12 weeks in the fall. So we were in Michigan. We were about an hour from where we were going to end up living and been in our new house for about two months. And I just now feel like I'm starting to get my feet under me. So mm -hmm. it's it's definitely taken a while. And you know, kids transition. My, I have a friend who's a counselor and she always says transitions are hard. Transitions are hard. doesn't matter if it's a good transition, a bad transition. Transitions are hard. And I'm really seeing that in my kids just in, mm -hmm. we've tried to keep up the homeschooling. We've had to kind of, we had to kind of pare back a little bit in the fall just to make it work because there was so much on everyone's minds and the ability to focus and really dig in. And of course we had to travel with everything. And so now it's back to building new routines, new rhythms. And of course my mm -hmm. kids are a year older. And so how does that look? And our house layout is different and we have a different homeschool room and things like that. So all of that plays a role and it's just, we're in this transition full time. I think this is actually the hardest year of homeschooling I've ever had, not because of academics, but because of just trying to get a solid daily rhythm back in place where everyone's just sort of rolling with it. And mm -hmm. of course, as soon as we do that, everything's going to change again. Right. Because they grow and change. Mm -hmm. And For it's sure. just like, it's just like babies, you know, you get four months of like, Oh, this is, we're in this stage now. And then boom, it all, it all switches. I think kids are that way. Maybe the, maybe the phases are a little bit longer, but they're still phases. So mm -hmm. yeah, but we're excited to be back in Michigan. We've actually Everyone thinks we're nuts, but we've loved having winter again because we'd been without snow for a long time. And being in West Michigan, you get lake effects. So we have little bits of snow flurries almost every day. And my kids think they've moved to Narnia. We have four and a half acres populated with all kinds of deer and wild turkeys and birds and other animals, bunnies, possums, you name it. And they're just thrilled. Does make nature study easier. There you go. Built-in nature study right in the front yard. 2022 is the 10-year anniversary of us moving back home to the farm. And 10 years ago, I said it, and I say it still today. I am never moving again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. My it retirement home My retirement home is a yurt in the pasture. I'm never <laughs> moving. And if you don't know what a yurt is, definitely look it up. Y-U-R-T, yurt. We're all probably trying at least something new. Maybe we aren't. Maybe not everybody is. 
But what are some new things you might be trying using, whether that's a method or a curriculum or even just an extra activity or something for joy? What new element are you doing in your homeschool this year? Heather, let's start with you this time. (laughs) I put her on the spot. (laughs) It's okay. Um, I'd say for me, like being more hands-off with their co-op classes. So with it being part of the public school system, there are aspects of it that I am not, you know, the fondest of. One of them being is there's an online component that they basically have to go into each of their classes once a week and do what's called a check-in, which is usually like a true or false question. It's seriously so easy and so simple. Literally one of my kids questions this past week were, we're so happy you are back at co-op. It's because the there's funding through the public school system for this co-op. And so for the funding purposes of it, we have to do these like check-ins and stuff. So it's like, they know that we're doing it. So that's new and that's different. And it's not, I would say it's not one of my most favorite things, but they are getting good classes with very, you know, capable and well-educated teachers. And I appreciate that. Like you, you all know, you all know science is not my thing. So the fact that all my kids can go to a co-op and take science is one of the hugest, like gifts to me as a homeschool mom, because that's the thing that I dread the most. And it's funny because like today it was like, my son was like last week we had a snow day from our co-op, so we couldn't go, but they still got their assignments through the computer and stuff. And he's like, I need you to go get lime jello. Cause I have to do this experiment. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I can go get you lime jello. Like we can do that. <laughs> So I have no idea what the experiment he has to do is, but I know it requires lime jello. So anything with um, jello has got to be good. Exactly. So that's definitely new. It's a part of the co-op that we are a part of that we have to do that online component. I'm trying to think like what else I'm doing differently. My kids are still all doing teaching textbooks, math. I'm doing Michigan history with my boys. Mm. And that's probably I'm really enjoying that. It was last year, just when I was doing U.S. history with them, and there were different things when we would learn something about Michigan. I remember uh, going into work and I was telling the ladies at work, I was like, did you know? And it was like, I can't even remember now, but it was like things that were named here in Michigan and they were named after different people and stuff, you know, things me not being Michigan born didn't know. I didn't go through public school here in Michigan. So I was never taught Michigan history. And they were all looking at me like, yeah, we know that we learned that in Michigan history, you know? And I was like, well, I didn't grow up here. I don't know this stuff. I grew up in Michigan and never learned Michigan history from school. Oh, so (laughs) So, there you go. Not that I remember anyway, if I did, I don't remember it. Maybe elementary school and it just is long gone. I would say that's probably been that for me, learning some Michigan history and doing that with my boys has been one of the, my most favorite things that we've done so far. Well, now I want to know what you've used. So we'll have to connect on that. Sure thing. I think my girls would love that. They love, they're actually really excited to be living where we're from. Oh yeah. They have fully adopted the idea of we are now from Michigan. We're not, you know, we don't live in Tennessee anymore. So, and Tennessee is all that they remember. 
Were they both born there? No, uh, my older daughter was born here, but we moved, we moved to Washington DC when she was seven weeks old there for two years. And she doesn't really remember that because we were, she was about two and a half when we moved to Memphis. So from two and a half on, we lived in Tennessee. So it really is being close to family and cousins Mm -hmm. and aunts and uncles and all of that has been a real gift to them. Grandparents. Yeah. The whole shebang. It's been, it's been really fun. It's for them just even in the last few months connecting with family. So, yeah. Well, Annie, what new things are you implementing this year? Uh, Like I mentioned before, my oldest started French and that is a DVD curriculum that I bought because I do not speak French. I took Spanish in school, but I definitely don't speak French. And when my kids and I had the conversation about a foreign language, each of them kind of wanted to pick their own language which is fine. I can get those resources. But then I said, listen, if you all learn the same language, you can talk to each other and your dad and I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) And so that, like the possibility of secret communications uh, was really what drove them to come to an agreement. And so French was not on the top of any of their lists, but that's what they agreed that they would all learn. So I said, pick a language that we can go and use. And so you know, the Canadian province is is not too far away. We could make a trip there. Um, my son is a big World War II history buff. He wants to go to Normandy, France um, at some point. So French kind of seemed like uh, something that we could use um, and go in and explore uh, a little more easily than, say, Chinese or any of those uh, far off destinations. We could access it a little more easily. Um, we're still doing Saxon math. Um, one of the things that has really helped is my kids are all at different stages in Saxon um, and they work, you know, self-paced and independently. So it's kind of on their own. What I found with that is that it takes about 30 lessons before they really kind of get in the groove. And then I check back in with them. And if they start to get more than a couple wrong uh, per lesson, then we, I sit down with them and we go through it and just kind of catch any anything that they're making mistakes on. And so with one of my kids, I've really had to slow down and work through each problem for a couple of weeks now, just because I think we were moving a little too fast in the self-paced part of it and we were missing some things. So just taking that pause and slowing down, let's get these fundamentals under our belt before we go racing off. And so that's been a little different, just kind of like you, Heather, they're more independent. And so I'm not doing as much day-to-day checking in. It's more week by week. Mm-hmm. And then kind of just pausing one or encouraging one to take a little more on. And so that too, you know, the growth in the kids and the, they're more responsible. And we had COVID last fall and John and I both had it at the same time. And we were down and out. And the kids ran the farm. They did the chores they came in and reported on things and went back out when we told them we'll try this or do that or that's over there and so gosh oh my gosh they were they were such a help you can just see that um responsibility that's grown in them they are 11 12 and 13 right now amazing and you know they're they can run the farm uh they took over the the broiler chickens this year and they're running that they're doing 450 uh meat birds and that'll be all theirs. And it's just really fun to see them grow into 
uh, grow into themselves, you know, who mm-hmm. they are and what they're interested in and where their talents and strengths lie has been really fun. Did they eat all the sugar? When we were sick? <laughs> no. Like in Farmer Boy? No, no, they didn't. <laughs> That's my favorite chapter of Farmer Boy, when the parents go away for a week and they eat all the sugar and make ice cream and well, what happened is that you know friends of mine were incredibly generous and would drop stuff off, you know, because we live in the middle of nowhere, right? So it's not like I can get an Instacart or any type of delivery service, and so they would bring food over, and of course they know the kids are running the show, and so there was junk food that I would (laughs) never have bought. (laughs) because my friends knew this annie will not fight this the kids can eat it and so yeah there was a little bit of that because my friends knew they could spoil the kids one of the things the girls really enjoy is cooking and of course baking is a big draw but baking is you know treats and so i've really been trying to focus on getting more whole foods into our diet into the house and Michigan, West Michigan, especially is really agriculturally centered. We have fantastic farmers markets and locally, it's really easy to get locally raised meat and things like that. I had a cow share before when we lived here in the past. And so I thought we moved to Tennessee. I thought there would be more of that, that the growing season would be longer, that there would be more farms. There were less. So now that we're back here, I'm like, oh, we can do all of these things again. And we have, like I said, we have four and a half acres. We have 12 apple trees. We have a patch of blueberry bushes. You know, Michigan's known for blueberries. We have a raspberry patch. We're going to put in a garden. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities for them to do things. And we're planning on getting some chickens this spring, but I wanted to work with them on some other kinds of nutrition skills. And we've kind of read, we've done some nutrition stuff and kind of as part of our science, but there's a cookbook called Nourishing Traditions. And I had just the regular cookbook, which has a lot of traditional foodways type recipes in it. So kefir and yogurt and fermented foods, sourdough, all those kinds of things. Well, they make a kid's version. And my sister, actually, I didn't even know it existed until she told me and she worked through some of it with her kids. She's a homeschooling mama five. So we have been doing that. So we made bone broth this week, not just stock, but actual bone broth where you, you, in order, I didn't understand until kind of going at this, that with bone broth, you break the bones open so that the marrow and all of the nutrients and minerals from the marrow get into the broth. So we did bone broth. We've done our own yogurt. We have a sourdough starter going. So all of that's been really fun because we're not just doing the recipes, but the cookbook teaches them why these traditional foodways are beneficial to your body. And that's good. And it's made them more interested. You know, we've gone away from sugary cereals, which their dad loves and they love things like that, trying to step back and still enjoy food, but learn more about traditional ways of feeding ourselves for nourishment and not just because we need something right now. So that's been, that's been really good and a lot of fun. And they've, they've seemed to really enjoy the process and seeing things happen, like making your own yogurt, turning milk into yogurt. And it's like, Oh, this is yogurt that I don't have to buy at the store in a little plastic cup. I can make my own in a jar. So do you use your Instapot? I have not. I actually have a little French, maybe it's actually Italian yogurt maker with jars that I bought years and years ago. I used to make it all the time. And so it makes it, you know, you get seven jars of yogurt out of four and a half Mm -hmm. cups of milk. So, wow. What was the name of that cookbook again? Nourishing traditions for children. Sally Fallon. Yeah. Sally Fallon. It's been around a long time. So, you know, and it's not keto. It's not necessarily 
I wouldn't call it low carb, but you know, sourdough of course is a slow carb. It slows everything down. So there's a lot of logic behind the foods in it. Yeah. Very cool. One of the books I bought to help my kids with cooking, because like you, you know, we want to teach them cooking skills. Uh, Mark Bittman has Mm -hmm. uh, how to cook everything. And And it really is how to cook everything. (laughs) It is. And that's one I can just hand them and it walks them through every step. You know, they may have to ask me, where is this in the kitchen or what is this called? But it really does walk them through how to cook anything. Yeah. He's a good recipe writer. Super clear. Yeah. So that's been a lot of fun. One of the questions we were going to cover tonight was what kind of challenges are you facing? And we've kind of all covered that. Is there anything aside from what we've already talked about? We've talked about moves. We've talked about COVID. I had COVID too over Thanksgiving and it was a nightmare. Are there any other challenges that you've had to face this year that have impacted homeschooling for you? I feel like I've kind of, like we kind of hit our stride. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't have to do quite so much anymore. I mean, I still get their packets prepped and still make out a schedule and still provide the resources, but I do so much less teaching. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do a whole lot of teaching in advance, but they really have taken ownership of their learning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're the ones, mom, where's our packet for this week? If I don't have it, you know, ready for them when they get up on Monday morning. And so they're exploring their own interests and oh, this 11, 12, 13 is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, personally, like the challenge that I face, and it's probably something I will face every January and February is just the weather here and just the lack of motivation and drive that I have in these months. You know, I told my husband like one day, two weeks ago, like it took everything in me just to get out of bed because these months are hard here. It's snow covered and cloud covered and I don't bode well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's a challenge. Hmm. And you're definitely not alone in that. And I think there are a lot of podcasts and posts this last month about on the internet. I think about getting, getting through these months as there mm-hmm. always are in January and February. Let's move on to the concept of mother culture. Mother culture, if you've never heard this term before, I think is something that came out of Charlotte Mason and not actually her her books, but her newsletter, her PNEU newsletter. And it basically means what are you doing to pour into yourself? You know, we can't, it's sort of that biblical belief that we cannot pour out to others unless we are filled up ourselves. So what are you doing to fill yourself intellectually, spiritually, personally, so that you can pour out to your kids in your homeschool? Is there anything you're doing right now that's giving you that extra boost? It's my book club. Mm. (laughs) Um, When we we started this probably four years ago, a friend and I, and we had almost a dozen women that would come and we used to host in homes and that sort of thing. And then COVID hit and we quit for a few months and then realized that we needed each other. So then we met, you know, for those first few months was still winter here in North Dakota. And then, you know, June, July, and August, we met out in like parks, you know, trying to social distance and be outside and just whoever felt comfortable or whoever could come from our group. And it's kind of distilled down 
uh, to four of us. Um, we all have kids about the same age. We all do some type of work, uh, whether it's uh, working from home or work outside the home. So just we have a lot of a lot of similarities. And so we've changed it from a book club where we read a book every single month to kind of, we backed off a little bit and it's more a book club slash literary society. So every other month we read a book and then the other month we bring something. Uh, Maybe it's a piece of art, maybe it's a piece of music or a podcast or a book, you know, we always bring a book or uh, YouTube TED Talk or something just to share with one another um, that taught us something or encouraged us. And that is my favorite day of the month. And so we used to, like I said, meet in homes. We've changed that. Uh, We just want a night where we can gather together and nobody has to clean or find a place for their husband and kids to go. And so we just meet at this restaurant downtown and they stay open late and they serve a great menu. So we can have a a cocktail if we want, or we can eat food if we want. And just that connection time once a month, sharing a common theme of books or just something creative uh, really has fed my soul these past couple of years. I was going to say, I'm about to join a book club. And so I'm really excited you know, coming back to town, there just was not anything in place other than family. So I made a few new connections at work and caught up with old friends. And then um, a new friend invited me to her book club and I'm really, really excited about it. So that will hopefully be a source of mother culture coming up here. I have kept up my own reading. So that's been helpful. I think it's funny that all of our mother culture things are pointing to books. So I would say, (laughs) I would say the same thing I'm doing right now, a Bible study at my church, a woman's Bible study. We're doing the Jen Wilkins Exodus study, which has just been phenomenal. But then also um, just my own reading. I took a lesson from you and I made a syllabus this year of what I wanted to read. And I chose a couple key areas and I selected the books that I wanted to read in those areas. And so just having intention with what I'm, you know, taking in I think is good. Okay. So tapping onto that impromptu, real, just real briefly, let's tell everybody what book are you reading right now that you are loving? Annie, what book are you in right now that you're loving? I just finished Frederick Bachman's Anxious People. Um, I work every so often at our local library. And so one of the benefits of that is you get to see all the new releases. And when they come out, you can check them out first. So I had checked it out right away when it first was released because I love Frederick Bachman. Oh, just love him. And so I took it home and I started reading it. I got like seven or eight chapters in and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't keep track of this. I got other stuff to read. So I put it aside, take it back to the library and forgot about it. Then I was looking for an audiobook, and I thought, you know what? I need to give anxious people another shot just because I love Bachman. He's never let me down. Uh, maybe it's just the wrong time to have that book in my life. So I just finished listening to it and it was amazing. I want to refer to my children as the worst hostages ever because now we just, have to read the book to find out what that means. Now you have to read the book and you will, you will know. <laughs> I just, I want to tell my children your worst hostages ever. It's a lovely book. Just finished it. I'm still thinking about it. And uh, it's a little confusing to start. I will warn you on that, but push through. Um, It's really lovely. Heather, what about you? I am almost, I got like a few more chapters left in The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm, I've heard that's great. It's been. Oh, that's John Mark Homer, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, It's really good. He's breaking it down to 
at the end. So he talks about, you know, all the things, you know, that calls hurry in the beginning of the book. And then he gets into four spiritual practices. And so I've completed two of them. So the first two were Sabbath and simplicity and they it's really good. So mm. that's, that's where I'm at right now. I like books on simplicity. I am reading and loving a book that's probably not real well known. It's called Real Love for Real Life. The author is Andy Ashworth. And it's a book that was published originally by the Rabbit Room Press. If you're familiar with Rabbit Room. You can't go wrong with a Rabbit Room publication. Nope. And it's fantastic. I'd never heard of it. The same friend who invited me to her book club recommended it to me and said, oh, I think you'll love this book. And she's right. It's about caregiving. Um, not caregiving of necessarily ill people, but just of our families, of friends, of the people we encounter, how to have a hospitable spirit and to be loving. So that's been really good. All right. So we're going to wrap up. We used to make our wrap ups and they would go on and on. We're going to keep this really short and sweet. Everybody gets one sentence to tell us what is bringing us joy in our homeschools right now. So in one sentence, Annie, what is bringing you joy in your homeschool right now? Teaching textbooks, not teaching textbooks, (laughs) teachers pay teachers. Every kind of chunk of school, we do four to six weeks at a time and then we have a week off. So every chunk I pick one like math enrichment activity from there. And so here in North Dakota, we just got a Chick-fil-A in Bismarck. Big news. So there happened to be a menu math enrichment activity on Teachers Pay Teachers. And so I bought it and I made three copies and my kids work on it together. Like I said earlier in Saxon, they're all at different levels. They're all learning different skills. But once in each chunk of school, they get together and they do this math enrichment activity. And uh, as their reward, they finished it last week. We are going to be heading to Chick-fil-A to look at their menu. I think that and was I actually... And I order off their menu. <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> I just have to say, I think that was actually two sentences, but those were two really yeah. long. <laughs> like you managed to almost get that into one sentence. That's impressive. <laughs> Heather, what about you? Uh, what is bringing me joy right now is my bird feeder ornament that I have hanging on my tree outside my bedroom window. I'm just loving seeing all the birds. What is bringing me joy is our new environment in our home and especially just being surrounded by land and animals and having nature study right outside our windows. I think that's a wrap. Everybody welcome back again to season three of the Relatable Homeschoolers and we will be back with you again soon with another episode. Thanks for joining us tonight. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.